0: We're running out you of talked stuff, so. about um, flow of blood through veins. Yeah, we did. Yeah, Shiv, did you know that if you can listen, no, if you you can hear the flow of blood through dilated veins in the lower limbs, right? But to do it, you've got to listen very
1: closely. <laughs>
2: <laughs> very closely.
1: <laughs> I didn't even see that one coming.
2: I didn't know.
1: Everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Um, it's been a while. This week I've got um, Graham, everyone well known to the um, listeners, and Siv, uh, who's uh, one of the fellows who's taken on the
2: role of education. Do you want to introduce yourself, Siv? Yeah, I'm Siv, one of the new OBS fellows here, um, here for six months and just looking to help Roger out with yep. the our podcast. <laughs> and I think you're doing anaesthetics
1: aren't you so oh, you said OBS fellow so obstetric, obstetric, anaesthesia. obstetric Ob- anesthesia obstetric yeah. anesthesia yeah um, right so we today we thought we were going to do a, um, a podcast on something which is a little bit sort of left field but it's, it's, it's pretty relevant um, I found an article uh, probably about three months ago and um, two or three months ago and I uh, presented it to our department on a Tuesday morning because uh, it took, took, took my interest um, so we're going to talk through this it's um let me just find the title i'll put a link to it on the um web for anyone who's listening if you click on the on the podcast it'll take you to the, our, our website and there'll be a uh, a web page which will have uh, a link to this article if you want to download it and read it so the, uh, t- the title is preventing radial arterial catheter failure and critical care factoring updated clinical strategies and techniques so that's a pretty dry intro isn't it mm. It was pretty – was, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> was, it wasn't a dry talk. No. Nah. So um, – Or presentation, I remember. no, no it, I'm trying to remember. It was engaging. So, so um, anyway, I, I, I really like – it caught my eye because, you know, we, we all use um, art lines, don't we? I mean, how often do we stick an art line in? All the time.
0: I and, find any reason to put one in.
1: Yeah. And uh, so it's sort of like – it's like a common procedure. And um, – but actually when you read this article, you – it's like going down uh, a rabbit hole. There's so much you know, that that you can go into in all the detail, and and the truth is that um you know uh, <clears throat> when we put in arterial lines, there are lots of things that we that we um, encounter which which annoy us about them, and uh, some of them include um, you know difficulties putting them in, but it also includes um, you know when the, when you want them to stay in for three. Three or four days, mm. and you and, or you have trouble with them with their function,
2: or even during the procedure they stop yeah. working. That's
1: exactly right. So, so this article was really sort of looking more at I think the longevity of or trying to keep the radio arterial lines working for a long time in um, in like an ICU or an HDU. And certainly, we put a lot of art lines in for for the patients who go to our sort of higher care area, ASCII. Um But I think a lot of it's relevant too as well is that for its function during a long case. You know, the arms are rolled in, that sort of thing. Should we well, should we get in, get into the detail? What do you reckon? Let's do it. I mean, I can right.
0: mention what I got from the talk, and I think the thing yeah. that I got from the talk, or maybe from other talks as well, is to map the artery before you start. Yep. And perhaps, well, no, you, use good quality antiseptic, Use a sterile inserting insertion technique. Yep. and uh, to place the arterial line a little more proximal from the wrist towards the elbow than I had traditionally done. Yep uh, I think they were the real learning um, opportunities for me. and I have int- or tried to um, change my practice. Yep. To reflect, I oh, use the ultrasound. Sorry, that was the other thing you said. You know, use the ultrasound for every arterial line, and I have tried to change my practice. And all well, the art lines still go in, and the patients often go to the adult special care unit where they get used for a period of time.
1: Yes. Well, I think
0: the thing that I've noticed though is with that placing the position, uh, sorry, placing the arterial line a little more proximal, I have needed to um, put some dorsiflexion at the wrist for it to. Um, provide accurate information with the arterial wave case arterial waveform through um, cases particularly when the arms are by the side
2: right
1: I haven't come across that mm. but um so <clears throat> what I'll do is I think maybe we'll go through the article because um, I think um, the, the people who wrote this article have put a real uh, put a lot of thought and time into this and let's um, talk about each point as we as we come across it so I did sit down at lunchtime today and reread through the whole thing and make a few notes because I I felt like I better sort of revise, uh, try and remember everything that I learned three months ago when I gave the talk. So, um, so the first thing I talk about is ultrasound. So I know that um, yeah, it's definitely possible to put um, radial arterial lines in without using ultrasound, um, but I think the overwhelming sort of evidence, and they and they talk about this as well, is that the first pass success rate is. Um, proven to be much higher using ultrasound and um, basically and, and the point they make is that um, there's limited sites to put an art line in you know usually it's two radio arteries and there's only a small section of it that you can cannulate so why would you want to sort of have to stab it three times when you can do it once mm-hmm. um, so that that's almost enough evidence to, that you should use ultrasound for for yeah, you know, well in my personal practice all the time now um <coughs> But also they make the point that um, you know you can assess the vessel, so you can look for the health of the vessel, the size, what, where it runs, if there's any structures next to it that you don't want to put your needle into, so like veins or the radial nerve, mm. which are all, all things that um, you can't do if you're just going to do a blind technique. And then probably... Landmark. Yeah, or landmark.
0: Or palpation.
1: Or palpation, yeah, mm. that's right. So non-ultrasound guided technique. Um, but probably the most important point they're making because the, the whole... Um, uh, crux of their article is keeping, you know, it's having a catheter last as long as possible. Um, is that when you use ultrasound, you can you don't need to place the um, radial arterial line at, at the spot where you can palpate the artery, which is usually sort of near the crease of the wrist. Mm. <coughs> and that, in fact, it's much better or advantageous if you choose a spot four or even ideally, six centimeters sort of distal, so further up the forearm, uh, and then you can use the ultrasound to. Yeah, often at that site, it's quite hard to palpate in some people or most people. Um, but with the ultrasound, you can quite easily cannulate it. And then because it's not over the wrist, there's not it's not going to move when the wrist flexes or when there's movement of the patient or someone else moves the patient. And um, the longevity of the line is much greater. And, and also, we'll get into this in a little bit um, later on too when they talk about the angle of insertion and things, is that if you're inserting it at in a shallow angle, uh, that means there's a longer course of it running underneath the skin uh, and because it's at a shallow angle as well, it's not uh, much less likely to kink and it's held more firmly in place. Um, but that does have some implications for the length of catheter that you should use. <coughs> so that was but Any, any comments about that? Uh, look, what do you guys think? Yeah,
2: I mean, the first question is always where are you going to place it? So yeah. obviously radially you said, you know, the most common sites, but femoral was also an option, Yep. especially in you know emergencies, um, which has its yep. own implications as well.
1: Yeah, I guess. So I guess this article really wasn't looking,
2: looking at um, other sites. It's just mm-hmm. talking really about a radial artery. Um, yeah, but it's, I mean it's a good point. You know, you do you want to place it more proximal. It's more comfortable for the patient um, yep. and they can use their hands, you know, fully. And also when the hands are by the side, usually it's more likely to give a good reading if it's more proximal.
1: Yep, and so um, and the other thing is so once you've if you do place it more proximally, um, you don't need to have wrist splints or restraints. And in fact, um, they talk a little bit later on in the article that using those wrist splints uh, are associated with um, increased dislodgement rates, presumably because there's straps and things around it, and and, uh, they catch on the on the line and things like that. (coughs) Um, So. Oh yeah, the other thing is so, that, so whether you use in-plane or out-of-plane or dynamic needle tip positioning is the other sort of thing that hasn't been decided so there have been lots of studies on that and I don't think there's any, they said there's insufficient evidence to sort of support one or the other um, we probably should explain what that means though so so in-plane is where um, you have the, you know, the ultrasound probe sort of longitudinal and you can sort of look at the um, the Whole cath- catheter as you as you're inserting it, and you hopefully, if you've got your, everything lined up properly, you can see the artery as well.
0: So you've got the artery in
1: um, in the plane. longitudinal and longitudinal axis, yeah. Axis, so, you can, yeah. and you can follow the needle down. Um, there's pros and cons to that. It does it does help you um, not go in at too steeper angle. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk about their their uh, views on the angle of insertion later or, or next. Um, but a shallow a shallower plane is better. Uh, but sometimes if you can't keep If you don't keep things lined up properly Then you lose the tip So the <coughs> So the other um, plane Obviously out of plane Is you can see the vessel And you can see You can measure the radius And the You know or The, the um, size of the vessel Better with an out of, the out of plane Or the horizontal sort of view Through the Through the artery Or transverse Transverse Yeah Yes More More academic <laughs> Better English Um A transverse view Um I was going to say, but obviously you can't see the whole um, catheter or vessel, and so you have to sort of f- dynamically follow the needle tip. Um, so there's pros and cons. Probably most people, you probably use a combination of both. Or what do you guys use? I prefer the transverse. Yeah, so do I
0: approach, but I can see the benefits with the yep. l- uh, longitudinal. Yeah. And is it the dermis that's presumably anchoring the uh, arterial line? in more robustly with the shallow
1: angle um, of approach I think they just say that because it passes through more tissue yes it's more it's it's just held more in a more stable manner yeah and they've got some pictures which obviously are not great on a podcast <laughs> showing um, arterial lines which have been inserted at a steep angle and it's almost like um, you know, when we're, where the, the hub of the catheter's been secured, it's sort of, if it pushes back or forwards a bit, then suddenly it's almost like a 90-degree bend. Is yeah, yeah. Isn't like a, n- close to a 90-degree bend where the, there's the hub of the catheter and then, boom, it's going straight down to the skin and that obviously will kink or include yes. mm-hmm. uh, easily. So when you're on a shallow angle, you're
2: much less likely to get any, any kink uh, forming in the catheter apparatus. Mm -hmm. yeah i use the out of plane approach as well and i think going back to what you said about keeping it in the middle of your screen i sort of tilt my ultrasound probe so the marker will follow the trajectory of the artery so it always stays in the center and i find that if you keep the probe perpendicular to the needle you'll get the best um acoustic reflection as well yeah and
1: and often that means that you've got to tilt the probe a little bit so you you can it's a bit of a skill it's good it's good to practice yeah um and having the bevel facing up is easier to see the tip of the needle. <coughs> um, all right, so we talked about the angle of insertion. So, we'll, um, uh, But then they, they go into a lot of depth, actually, when they talk about this, because angle of insertion and the catheter length, they sort of talk about that at the same time. So uh, most arterial catheters are about four to five centimetres long, and so I actually took the opportunity at lunchtime to go and get our we use um, most of the time we use the um, flow switch it's four, 45 millimetres long so that is about right mm-hmm. um, so if you're going in a more of a shallow angle and if you're going into a vessel that is a bit deeper so say it's more than a centimetre below the skin which is often the case when you go further up the forearm and you're going in a shallow angle then just basic trigonometry you start having less catheter to leave inside the vessel and so that could be an issue, and I do wonder whether we should actually have some slightly longer arterial lines after reading this article at lunchtime, because, um, you know, um, they do say that if you have less than 30% of the catheter in the vessel, then that's definitely um, at more risk of, of um, not lasting the distance, you know, becoming, uh, you know, tissued or dislodging. And so longer catheters, <coughs> longer catheters last longer, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure most a lot of people listening to this probably have better selection of tool lines than we do <laughs> because we don't have very many. I've discovered going into the into the storeroom.
0: That's a that's a long twenty gauge.
1: Um, no, it's actually isn't it 48, 48 millimeters. So that's only three millimeters longer than okay. that. Okay. Yeah. Um, but they they talk about like um, uh, yeah you can get. I remember I, I have used in the past Vigons, which are really mm. long catheters. Um, so there were, we will talk about the um, the gauge of the catheter in a minute. So, so 22, 20, and 18 have been used, or are used. I mean, obviously people use bigger ones, put bigger things into um, arteries all the time for, um, for you know, angiograms and ECMO and things like that. But <laughs> we're just talking about radial artery catheters for monitoring in a ICU or an HDU. <laughs> um, so that was interesting. Um so yeah, if you're gonna um, if you're gonna be putting in catheters in um, people with say sort of slightly obese arms and you're going in shallow and further up the arm, then you might need to, like we probably do need to do, review um, the the catheters you're using and make sure you've got some slightly longer ones. Um, then they went off on a tangent and talked about something that I've never even thought about, which is the puncture technique. Um, so they talked a little bit about bevel up versus bevel down. Have you guys ever? even injured your consciousness I just always have the bevel up
0: is it, is it to do with um, coring of the tissues um, between so, so the skin the, and the uh, arterial wall
1: I think they've just got a little um, picture as well it's just like I think when you go once you enter the vessel if the bevel is facing down if you can all imagine it in your minds this is a good <laughs> good practice um, you're less likely to puncture the rear vessel wall or go out the other side yeah I good don't know creative
0: you know, visualisation
1: yeah, mm. um, but having said that, it's harder to visualise the needle tip on ultrasound if it's facing down. So I don't think mm. I'm going to be changing that. Um, the ultrasound beam gets reflected better if it's if the tips if the bevel is facing up. Yes, um, and then they just mentioned that um, people who use uh, studies where it compare sort of um, palpation with the Seldinger technique, um, the sel- you know, which is basically the Vigon kits. Mm-hmm. Um, Where you puncture it and then you throw through a wire. Obviously, the success rate with those is much higher, and usually the catheters are longer, so they last longer as well. Um, And then they make a comment saying that um, blind puncture and where people used to like transfix the artery and then pull it back. Yes, Um, they they use the (laughs) they use the term passe, (laughs) and probably shouldn't be done anymore in this day and age. Which is, I'm sure there's people out there who still do it or who like doing it, but. It was that's what the, the one of the earliest
0: techniques I was taught.
1: Yes, I know. I've seen people do it, and yeah, um, it's still being done. And I'm sure people are still doing it, but they re- they suggest that maybe not. There's better ways of doing it. Um. Anyway, yeah. So that's that's their comments on on the puncture technique. Um. Then this is an in, the next section. is quite interesting. I, I found this interesting because I didn't know anything about it. So catheter materials. Um. Then they go into a bit of depth about this. There's three different types of material or, or um. Materials that are used for intravascular catheters. So polyurethane um, is commonly used, and then there's polyethyl, polyether block amide or PBA, which is they say is probably the best uh, one for arterial lines because it's more rigid. And let me find the exact. Is examining the flow switch and, um, yeah, <laughs> packaging as we speak. I have to put, my, I, I
0: have to put my glasses on, and the, I can't. The, the writing is very small. Yeah,
1: well, I can't actually. It doesn't actually say. Or well, if it does, it doesn't doesn't call it the same stuff. So I don't know. I was, was going to go away and Google it, but the, but basically, when they talk about polytetrafluoroethylene as well, which is a um, is good at um, stopping things from sticking to it and is, helps with uh, prevent infections and things, but but the only thing I took away from that was because I actually don't know what our devices are made from, is that they said that um, that basically you shouldn't use, well, they recommend against using intravenous cannulae devices for arterial lines because they are much more likely to kink and they're not really ri- um, rigid enough. Mm. So that would mean... Um, FEP. Yeah, well, FEP, I don't know yeah. what it means. So, I mean, I guess there are some um so even my glasses and, didn't help no no go away and do a bit of research but don't use intravenous c- cannula uh yes yeah, sort of small gauge intravenous cannulas for arterial lines if you can because they're not rigid enough and they will kink and they're less likely to last the distance so um yeah that's the only thing i took away from that because i don't really um it's difficult to, on reading the just this the simple packaging it might be on the more the box on, on the box or the website mm. um Catheter vessel ratio. So this is something that I haven't done, but I just, or maybe if I do it, I do it subconsciously. So this is really what that really means is looking at the size of the uh, radial artery. And in your head, you know, I don't know if you guys sometimes you, you know, put the ultrasound probe on someone's forearm, and the and the radial artery is tiny. Yes. <laughs> and so basically, I think that it's just this is just more of a quantifiable way of of mm. of what we do, which is like looking at it going. That looks like a normal size artery, and this one looks really small. Um, so they t- talk a lot about the evidence in, um with uh, been, this has been studied in peripheral um, venous cannula. Of, of um, you know, if you put too large a um, device or cannula catheter into a vessel, then it basically occludes it, and, it's, and, and the flow around it is, is limited. And then obviously you're at much greater risk of things like thrombosis or um, uh, other you know, flow-related things. Um, and um, although the evidence is less in um, arterial catheters, or has been studied less in arterial catheters, it's the same principles apply. Really, you, you, if you're going to occlude flow through the through the radial artery, then you know you're going to relying heavily on flow through the ulnar artery. Um, so I guess there are some implications there.
2: Yeah, I hadn't thought about, before reading the article, I hadn't thought about the actual blood flow being slowed down um, around the cannula as well, which yeah. has implications for thrombosis of the cannula.
1: Yes. So in my mind, I think the, the rate of flow in the artery is higher. You know, it's a high pressure. So yeah. it's probably, whereas in veins, that you know things flow a lot slower. So I don't know if that makes any difference. but um, And obviously in most people... I mean, so, so the good news is, that like I said, the overall um, frequency of hand ischemia and all the, in the studies that have looked at it and people have had a radial arterial lines is like somewhere between 0.02 to 0.09%, so it's pretty low. Mm. Like, I personally have never had a patient that I know of that's had ischemic um, complications from an arterial line
2: that I've put in the radial artery. Yeah, they talked about the modified Allens test, which I have to say yeah. I've never done.
1: No, but I... but. On reading it, I did it. To my, I did it <laughs> three times just for fun myself, and it's quite good fun to do. Um, you're watching the your hand flush. It's funny how the ulnar distribution goes red, and then maybe like two seconds later, your Athena remnants goes red. So it's definitely like has to go around in the circuit. <laughs> um, yeah, so they they do talk about that. We've we've skipped ahead, but we should talk about it because I think they're related, aren't they? Um, so whether or not we should do it or not, because the complication, the ischemic complication rate is so low, I don't know. Um, but it is an easy thing to do, and um, so you couldn't criticise someone for doing it, because it's in, inexpensive, it's safe, it's non-invasive, it takes about 10 seconds. Mm. Yeah. And certainly if you had like a funny result from that, you could get your ultrasound out and have a look at it and see, <coughs> you know, map the radial and the ulnar artery and see what's going on. Yeah.
0: I mean, there are some people who don't have uh, adequacy of flow through their own artery, so okay. they they potentially would be at risk, yeah, and with occlusion of their radial, yep. flow to their hand.
1: Yep, and especially then if you saw that they had a radial artery that's quite small, mm. I would be reluctant to to use any uh, device on that. Yeah, you know, go to have a look on their other arm, or even put a small cannula in the brachial artery because obviously that catheter to vessel ratio would be fine because the brachial artery is big. The, you know a 20 gauge arterial line is very small it's unlikely to occlude anything um, what would you guys do what would you do if you saw that oh
0: the same yep. I'd, I'd avoid a small radial artery yeah yeah.
1: so I have um,
0: tried I, the other side
1: yeah I've had patients before I, I had a patient um, a few years back I put their ultrasound on and they had a radial artery that was tiny uh, and they had an ulnar artery that was huge so there is some variation isn't it mm. so um Okay, so just uh, getting back to the cath- catheter vessel ratio. So I've never, I haven't really used 22 gauge catheters for arterial access, but they do talk about that. They've got a little table which is quite useful. I guess if you do pediatrics and things you do, but not in adults.
0: Some vascular I've, paths, I think.
1: Yeah. It's I, easier.
0: It's yeah. P- people with peripheral vascular disease.
1: I've put yep. a few
2: in Maybe. for adults. Yeah. Mm. I don't know the dampening characteristics and whether they yeah. how closely it would match up, but it. I've done it quite a bit. Did it you seems use to work. something like this? Yeah. You,
1: so I'm just holding up a, de- a device that none of you can see. That would be. Should I describe a it for the 22 listeners? 22 gauge <laughs> blue, uh, inside cannula. So it breaks a lot of rules because it's intravenous device. So it's, pr- it's probably not made of the material it's supposed to, and it's quite short. It's only 25 millimeters. So you probably want to put it into um, the radial at a very superficial site because it's not going to be much catheter in the vessel if you if you try and use it to cannulate something that's that's deep under the skin um, you pro- but you probably can purchase longer ones <laughs> and or specially designed radial artery catheters at a 22 gauge mm-hmm. I'm sure um, so they have a little interesting little table, so I've, I haven't measured the diameter of the artery when I've been doing ultrasound guided um, arterial lines but they have, have a table and they say that if uh, the diameter is only one or one and a half millimeters then you query should use a 22 gauge catheter mm. um, but if it's bigger than that then it should be fine for a 20 gauge catheter so that that means that 45 that the catheter is only going to include 45% of the area of the lumen of the vessel um, all right we're getting there mm. We've already done the Allen's test and the insertion, so I'm running out. Of, we're running out You of talked stuff, so.
0: about um, flow of blood through veins. Yeah, we did. Yeah, Shiv, did you know that if you can listen, no, if you you can hear the flow of blood through dilated veins in the lower limbs, right? But to do it, you've got to listen very closely. <laughs> uh, very
1: closely. I didn't even see that one coming.
2: Neither did I. <laughs> I was hit with a fact. <laughs>
1: All right. Oh. Yeah, that's good. Good delivery. <laughs> He's been saving that up. I'm hoping there's more to come. Mm. Okay. Securement I've got here. Oh yeah. So they, yes. Yeah, so they liked to, to. They've got a big section on the, how to secure the arterial line, which I guess is important for, um, you know, longevity of lines that you want to you know last for three or four days or two to three four days. Um. So basically, they basically say suturing the men is out. Um. I don't think many people do suture them in nowadays. I, mean, I guess back in the back uh, back in time the, the dressings and uh, adhesives that were available were not as good as they are nowadays. Um, they might have been more um, common uh, in the past, but nowadays they say that the risks uh, of bleeding, infection and in needle sticks and things like that mean that's probably not a good way of doing it. Uh, some of them still do have little hubs with little holes that you can put sutures through. Know, I'm looking at the flow switch now, it's got... It's got um, flanges with little holes where you can suture through. So,
2: a lot of the ICUs still do. Yeah, yeah. But so the, I wouldn't do it after reading this article. So. Yeah.
1: So remember, we are just. This is, um, the, you know, these authors' uh, opinion of in their review of the literature. Um, uh, so and the other thing that they talk about, they talk about you can just use like a. F- they talk about a flat polyurethane dressing. I think they just mean like a tegaderm or just a, a normal sort of. Dressing flat dressing. Well, there's the integrated secure dressings, which are a bit like those ones that come with pick lines and things, where they're sort of elevated. Yes, they're sort of designed to secure a, ca- a catheter and dress a catheter. Um, and actually, there's been there's been a few studies comparing those sort of specialised um, securement devices. You mean like the, a statlock? Yeah, like a statlock. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, comparing those to just the straightforward sort of flat, sort of thin. Yeah, normal sort of tegadermy or you know, dressings. Yep. and actually the statlocky ones, or the integrated secure dressings, were worse. Um, okay. And they, and they said the main thing is it probably what it does is it raises the catheter up uh, uh, off the skin quite a bit, and that causes the int- then causes the the catheter going into the skin to be on quite an acute angle. So you know, it sort of pushes it up and puts it on this angle, which then leads to kinking and can actually cause problems. So. Um, Studies that have looked at this probably it's probably better for radial arterial lines anyway. Uh, Pick lines and things are different, but for the, for a radial arterial lines, probably avoid them. Um, we've already talked about wrist restraints, so they said um, they're associated with increased dislodgement rates. Um, but, uh, but ideally, if you if you t- um, f- take on the philosophy of putting the art line further up the arm, you probably won't need them. Um, and then the other thing they talk about is using glue so cyano, cyanoacrylate glue which is just you know glue that we use to for um, you know putting wounds together and things like that. And all the surgeons use sometimes to uh, close the skin um, might be useful but it hasn't really been studied a lot but but there's attractive things about it because it's you know antibacterial and mm. sticks to the skin and sorts of stuff um, what else so I think that that's covers most things. There's one other thing that we didn't talk about, actually, because um, uh, we skipped ahead, but insertion site. So they did have a little um, paragraph when they talked about um, the, uh, the n- sort of uh, newly – well, it's probably – I don't know how new it is, but putting the, the arterial catheter into the radial artery up in the snuff box, yeah, sort of up on the – the, the dorsum of the hand. And dorsum of the hand, mm. yeah, which I'm told um, – by some of the uh, trainees coming through, they have seen used um, at some of the other hospitals around town. Do the cardiologists use that vessel, or is it <coughs> too small? Um, so, uh, so it is used, and apparently, it's it's been mm. used more now than it was in the past. Because I've never seen it used, mm. um, but it is superficial and it's easy to access the artery um, face And I guess you know, if you if you're putting, uh, yeah, there might be advantages in certain situations, but. <coughs> They're looking at it with the view of, like, is it useful in a patient in an ICU or an HDU where you want to have a radial arterial line mm. for three, three days. They basically said it's probably not a great spot because it's quite torturous. It's difficult to secure it. And, uh, and in these patients, who if you want them to mobilise or undergo physical therapies and things, it sort of stops them from using their hand. Mm. So, um, have any of you guys, yeah, everyone here's shaking their head they've, you've never seen it used no no I'm trying to remember who told me that they, they, they saw it used quite regularly in another hospital uh, it was one of the trainees I was working with um, I, think we're, I reckon we've covered most of it we've been talking for 30 minutes so we should shut up soon oh, it's a good good
0: chat <laughs> good chat that was very interesting thanks again yeah, for, thanks for, uh, for uh, reminding me of the things I should have um, paid more attention to
1: no well, I mean I don't know about you but when we've probably when we all first started doing it I just Got shown how to do it. I just, you know, we just put our fingers on the mm. uh, I, on the wrists, had a had a feel where I could feel it pulsating the most. gave gave it a bit of a wipe with an alcohol wipe, slid it in, and twenty percent of the time it would go in, and the rest of the time there'd be a big lump, and I <laughs> and I <I'd> swear and <laughs> do it again. <laughs> nice. Throw the
2: cannula across the wall. Mm.
1: Um, so any, I'm sure I don't know if be, there be there might be um, some some other. Um, some listeners out there who have some other tips or tricks or, uh, or thoughts about uh, what these authors think? Yeah, so so please remember we're just basi- oh, We're basically just going through this article. We don't have necessarily exactly the same opinions as them, although we've tried to sort of share what we think with um, with you guys.
0: But it's good to um, use the information to influence what we do.
1: Yeah, and I think um, so. Uh, Matt Ruckledge talked me into using the ultrasound for. My outlines about three or four years ago, or maybe even longer, and I must admit that um, before that, I don't think I was very good at outlines. You know, my failure rate was pretty high. Um, and now that I've uh, taken on the philosophy of putting in the arterial lines with the ultrasound every time and sticking them further up the arm, I feel my failure rate is really low because I just think it's much nicer. And I do it. I always do it in patients. I, I do it when they're awake before we induce them yep. because. Because it's, it hardly ever causes discomfort because you just sort of carefully put it in where you need to go and you do you're not sort of um, you know putting, pushing the needle all over the place trying to find the artery and causing discomfort and it just seems to be a much painless, uh, well tolerated procedure and it is really nice to have the outline in before they go to sleep. Mm. I find what if you, if if the plan is like put them to sleep first and then put the outline in well then you're supposed to be flying the plane and <laughs> keeping an eye on the anaesthetic and but then you're trying to concentrate on doing an outline or a procedure, it's pretty hard to keep an eye on the patient. Mm. So I much prefer to do it all before they go to sleep. Yeah.
0: Roger, I think you uh, you asked me why did, the, um, <laughs> yeah, did. Yeah. why did the mushroom go to the party. Yeah, uh, I did. Why did the mushroom go to the party? Because he <laughs> was a fun guy. Right? But do you know why the mushroom... <laughs> do, you know why, do you know why the fun guy left the party? <laughs> why? Because it was not mushroom. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think we better end it there. Okay, thanks guys. Sometimes in the broom cupboard, I feel like we mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, I know.
2: Because yeah.
0: it's not
1: mushroom. <laughs> thanks again, see you next time. Please go to the iTunes menu and subscribe to the show if you like it. Write a review. This will also help us uh, get seen by other listeners on the iTunes menu. If you're also interested, please go to our website at www.obsandguinycretcare.org where there will be lots of show notes and links to uh, interesting videos related to the topic that you've just listened to. See you again next time. I'd like to acknowledge the Watchak people as the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is produced. We recognise their continued connection to the land and waters of this beautiful place. We pay our respects to elders in past and present and extend that respect to all First Nations people.